2: poppin real ones logan murdoch here roger bill There, motherfucking monday so you know what it is we got howard motherfucking back in the building Mm. yo howard Mm. we've been getting we, we kept we brought you back on for another week it's supposed to be until whenever because last week was really good last week people loved it i got so many compliments from people about how howard is the new star of the show so welcome back Welcome back, Howard. I passed the audition. I get to stay. That's awesome. You get to stay. You okay. know what I mean? You get to stay. You get to stay. You're here. Thank you. <laughs> Appreciate that. We are here to to preview, uh, to preview the NBA season as best we can in the hour and change that we have. Uh, I just wanted to bring a story into the, uh, the podcast from over the weekend. I got initiated into uh, a Greg Popovich moment over the weekend. Guys, I got popped. I asked him a question. I was at the Warriors uh, Spurs game and Steve Kerr had said that Greg Popovich had been rejuvenated going into this season. Right. So, you know, Howard knows this. When if we don't have a question, we kind of just ask a question based on the other the 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 coach's question, right? If you wanna if you wanna get some more context on something. So what I did was I I asked Pop, I was like, yo, Steve Kerr says that you have been rejuvenated going into this season. And he goes into and and I use that to ask, how do you like coaching this group? Right? That seems like a, a cool question to ask, right? All Popovich heard was, You seem rejuvenated. So he goes into his spiel about and am, am I am I am I, I'm paraphrasing here, but he's like, Am I in a menstrual institution? Am I depressed? <laughs> what did you hear? Right? And I'm like, I'm like, well, Steve said this. Not me. Steve knows you better than I do. And he goes, Steve is an asshole. And then goes into (laughs) the next question. So that was my weekend, guys. That was that was that was was, that's that's how my weekend went.
0: That's a lot more excitement than I had.
2: Yeah, me
1: me too. (laughs) Um, I I would say, though, you find yourself like in a pretty cool fraternity of people who have have, uh, had that interaction with pop, man. That's legendary shit, though.
0: Yeah. Have you That's actually tame. That's 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 like tame, Logan, because like it sounds like he was actually pretty jovial about it and having fun with it, as opposed to the I'm going to bite your head off and make you feel three inches tall in front of this whole group of your peers, which is the worst case scenario. Have you experienced seasons. that, Howard? Um, Not really. I think you know what? I'll be honest. Over the years, Raja, I've kind of stepped lightly around pop. Like if I'm in one of those scrums or if I'm in the press conference room, if I don't have the goods, if I don't have something that I think is, is like absolutely undeniable, this is a great question, a thoughtful question. And I'm going to get something at least, even if he's going to dismiss it, it's at least not going to get me like killed metaphorically, (laughs) um, that I just ain't going to ask it. Like I'm, I'm very, I'm, I'm judicious about this, but I, I think I'm kind of, I've gotten that way across the league at this stage i'm not going to ask a question just to ask a question and with pop over the years i never i never know for sure whether he remembers me or not name wise he knows who i am by face because he's seen me a thousand billion times so i'll do the thing where i'll pull off with him after the scrum and say hey i've got some off the wall and it's usually something off the wall i'm usually like exploring some weirdo trend that only i think about or something and he likes those he's usually pretty good with those uh, but my favorite pop moment was actually so they hire Becky Hammond and uh, I went out to do a feature on Becky. I got to do a sit down with her and everything and I was going to get some time with pop. So he knew what I was there for. So he was going to be, I think, in a good mood anyway, because because he was ready to kind of sing her praises and talk about uh, that, that whole process. And um, that was when he first grew out the beard. And so I'm, I walk in. It's it's uh, Spurs training camp, whatever that year was in October. And I walk in and he's got the beard. I walk up. Hey, hey, pop, how's it going? I said, I said, the new beard makes you look even scarier than usual or more intimidating than usual or whatever. And he looks at me and he waves his hand through the air and he goes, ah, it's all shtick. I thought, well, (laughs) that's perfect. That's popular. Because there are moments when it's not shtick, guys. Like, There are definitely times when he has really chewed somebody's head off or or really. But a lot of times, I think more than 90% of the time when he's doing his pop, gruff get out of my face in-game interview stuff everything a lot of it is shtick a lot of it is and he doesn't like a lot of the process he especially does not like press conferences and he does not like tv cameras he's actually really really great with us if the topic is right if he's in the good mood and everything else like he is as thoughtful of an interview as you can get so i've 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 enjoyed most of my interactions with him.
1: that's what's uh pop pop subscribes to i'm I'm a firm believer and keep them guessing yeah. Like pop pops like that, bro. You you really don't know what you're going to get, right? Like I could be laughing, I could be joking, it could be shtick. Maybe I'm maybe I'm not in a good mood and I'm going to MF you all day. Like I don't know, but neither will you.
2: As an honorary <laughs> Spur, Raja, Ro- as, as an honorary Spur, did you have any pop moments?
1: Um no. No, 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 no. I was I was young trying to make a team. They were they were in a really weird spot as a team trying to kind of keep the window open. Um I've had a lot of interaction like with pop after I was cut from that team and was playing on good teams against him where, you know, we've had some some nice exchanges. Like I've, I've, I've always been a huge fan of his and and he's always had nothing but kind words for me. Um, yeah, I've, I've told the story before about how my career ended, though, right, where I like I felt terrible about that getting on a plane. They were looking for, uh, according to my agent, they were looking for a couple vets to come in and be a part of the part of the team. And one of my deals with my agents was I wasn't going through the meat market again of, of like trying out for teams with like eight or nine other dudes. Like if they want me, I'm here, I'm in shape. I'll go out and play. So he was like, yeah, they just want you to go play in a couple pickup games. See that there's a little bit of tread left on a tire and you should be good. So I went out and I got off the flight and the first sign that something was wrong was nobody met me at baggage. Now I'm not high maintenance. I don't need you to meet me at baggage, but typically someone meets you at baggage. So I was like, mm, this isn't great. Then I got outside and there was a van and when I hopped in the van, I was like, let's, let's bounce. And he was like, oh, we're waiting for somebody. I was like, ooh, this is this is not good. So Kalina Azabuki showed up. And I'm like, okay, maybe it's just a couple of us going to hoop. And as we're going back, I'm picking the staffer's brain. And he's like, yeah, it's like he started listing off like 10, 11 dudes. So like I got to that hotel. I didn't even check into the room. I turned around, caught a cab back to the airport and bought a ticket home. So I had to call Pop and R.C. Buford. I left him voicemails. I'm glad I didn't get him on the phone. Like, Hey, I know you guys respect me. I really apologize. This is a personal thing. It's got nothing to do with you guys. My agent, like, fuck this up. I, I, I love you guys. Bye. And so that was my, that's the last time I, I ever talked to pop or left him Damn. a message.
2: <laughs> Damn. Damn. You curved pop. You really should. Well, I didn't really curve. I didn't curve. The him. tables just, have you know. turned.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> Darkness, everybody. Exactly. Exactly. That was, um, all right, let's keep that. Let's keep it in San Antonio to start this preview, guys. Because during that game that I was at, Victor Wimbignana was incredible. <laughs> like I have never seen. You know, I wasn't here when LeBron had first started in the league. I would seen it as a child. As um, I, me and me and Third Eye Kai were pretty much we were annoying Howard Beck with our age difference. But anyway, I, all that to say, wasn't there for LeBron. I was too young to be in the building for that. But like to see Victor. I've never seen somebody so young take control of a game. In the, I know it was preseason. I'm sorry, Raji, but I've never seen someone take control of a moment against real vets. He he blocked Andrew Wiggins, Clay Thompson. He might he got Steph Curry. I think all of that was in the first half and just really set the tone. People were scared to go into the lane against Victor. I will start this question off with Raji. What are reasonable expectations? For a Victor Wembanyama rookie season, um, I think he's a twenty and change guy. A night like I, you
1: know, I'm, I'm not great with stats. You got to forgive me there. Like I'm, I, like, but he's a twenty and change. He's the type of dude who can roll out of bed with what he's working with, and and in an NBA game, get you twenty plus points, right? So like, I'm penciling him in if he's healthy and he doesn't. You know he can withstand the rigors of the season. Like I'm penciling him for, for close to twenty, twenty plus. Like I just, I really believe that. I, I will say it again. Like I was up in Philadelphia this weekend, um, and I got to be around my young cousins. Uh, one of them played at Loyola Maryland, and then he was at uh, Albany, and the other one is at at uh, Tufts up in uh in in and so they're they're basketball junkies, right? Like these guys like live it and they're in it in a way that I'm not anymore. And Wemby was the topic of conversation all all Saturday night. And like, it was universally agreed upon like that. You don't see that walking around in any of the gyms that they're in like that size, length, skill, the feel combination, that shit is rare. And I I know it Howard and and I kind of said it, but the reality is I'm not in the gyms anymore. Like I don't see the best players in, in Philadelphia, you know, weekly. So maybe there's some shit out there that I don't know about. Like, I don't know, but According to everybody, even the younger ones, like that's that's really rare. And I will just say again, like, so you referenced Lebron. LeBron came into the league. LeBron was a physical specimen. There was a skill set. But it wasn't a refined skill set as of yet. I know this because I was tasked with guarding him. And, you know, I he couldn't really fully take advantage of me in the post yet because he hadn't really developed that part of his game, let's say. Right? Like, they were, you know, even when KD came in, he was really good. But there were some things that, as a an older defender in the league, I might try to bait you into because I've just been around the block more than you. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, really— uh, and like sure KD Wimby,
2: versus uh, Ron Artest in the in the, his first playoff series, basically, right? Like something along the same example when, of an adjustment. And
1: Wemby might have those moments with dudes who are guarding him now, but the point is like you haven't seen anybody with that skill, length, feel, you know, overall skill set com- like combination. You haven't seen it. And so let me just say again, do you know how wild it is for somebody to be off center at the top of the key, throw the ball to the wing, face cut his defender, which means you're even more on the strong side now and catch a fucking lob. Yeah, that's crazy. Yes.
0: I think you phrase this question as reasonable expectations. Logan. dude, reasonable went out the window a long time ago with this guy. <laughs> Victor Wimbanyama's existence isn't reasonable. Like yeah. <laughs> being that tall, that long, that skilled, that everything. Not reasonable, not logical. Not, not real. I, 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 he, like, he still seems like an invention. That's like he's the first AI NBA player. I think. Listen, Michael Pina, our colleague Michael Pina, put up twenty, and and granted, these are supposed to be increasingly bold predictions, so they're all a little out there. Pina was uh, very creative, let's say, but he's got Wemby winning Defensive Player of the Year as a rookie, which, by the way, doesn't seem entirely crazy. For a guy who can block shots on every inch of yeah. the court.
1: What's, what's, what's he averaging in the preseason blocks per game? What's he I think it's like three something and it's in like 19 minutes a game. And it's in nine. Yeah, that's not. It's crazy.
2: It's crazy. It's crazy. Oh, let, me crazy. Let, me one,
1: let me just say one thing, Logan, because I want you to get in your bag. But Howard just said he looks like some shit where I'll walk into my kid's bedroom at night. And they're in the middle of a two K game, and there's this yeah. dude that they've created that is seven foot eleven <laughs> that handles like a PG and shoots fucking uh, curl tween stepbacks in full stride in transition. That and, and you're looking at it like I've literally said to my kids, like Zen, that's unrealistic, bro. Like of course you're gonna win every game. That p- character that you created doesn't exist. He well, he does now.
2: The Spurs being a 2K, the Spurs being a 2K team that you go to is is fucking insane. That's not that's not what we did. Even during like the the peak of Tim Duncan, we would never be picking the Spurs and no two K. I saw that when I knew he was the truth, because I went to summer league and Howard's a summer league. You didn't really get to see shit. I knew he was the truth. When he blocked Andrew Wiggins from the uh from the center court got Andrew Wiggins on a blocked him from the three point line, got the ball and then just posted up at the three point line and hit a three. Like he was Giannis. He was KD and he was somehow Klay Thompson all in the same play. It was ridiculous. I I'd never seen anything like that before
0: Howard. No, I, none of us have it, He, he it, like every time there's a, an, a new iteration of like these skilled big men that comes along. We have to like reprocess and readjust what we think is possible, right? Like Kevin Durant on some level forced us to reassess what we thought a guy could do at a certain size. Kevin Garnett way back in the day, I think is is kind of the the start of this whole evolution, right? I mean, Porzingis was called the unicorn by Durant. Like Durant gave him that nickname, but like, all right, you know, yes, Porzingis before the knee injury and everything, like he had a certain amount of mobility for a guy his size. And plus he could shoot the three and block shots. And like, all right, compared to Wembenyama, like porzingis might as well be like you know Wilt chamberlain or i don't know that's that's too far he might as well be benoit benjamin like it's it's not this it's it's night and day it's a whole other iteration of of this um this 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 gradual and now rapid evolution of of the big man and so i think so the reasonable part's out the window because We have seen Wembanyama do so many amazing things that we're now expecting everything, right? We're expecting him to average 20, 25 points a game, expecting him probably to average double digit rebounds and three or four blocks, hit a bunch of threes. Like we're expecting everything because he can do everything. And the unreasonable part will be he is still a rookie. He is, you know, going to have to deal with the rigors of the NBA and an 82 game season. And if there's any concern at all, it was going to be. He's skinny. He's light. Can he can he handle the, the pounding and all that? We're not you know, this isn't the 90s or the early 2000s anymore. He doesn't have to guard Shaq or Alonzo Morning even like I, he'll be fine. But there's still a certain amount of that that he's going to have to adjust to. And the Spurs being the Spurs are a really smart organization on the health side of things. They're going to manage that, right? They're going to manage expectations as well as they can. And they're going to manage his load uh, because that's what they do. And so I think he'll be fine, but like we're going to see him all-star weekend, not just in like the rookie sophomore game. He's he might make the actual game. Even if the numbers aren't there, because 50% of the vote is from the fans. He's, he might be the leading vote getter, uh, at least among the fans in, uh, in the Western conference. It's, it's, it's not crazy to think he'll be the
1: skills competition. He's gonna be the three point competition. Like you they are going to wear his ass out. Yes. He's going to get worn out. And so, so to, to that point, like, He's not going to get banged like banged up the way you he, he would have like in the you know traditional too big um, era. Like you're not going to physically take that 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 abuse. But what you can't like a Wemby or any young player you know can't account for is just the the sheer you, you know uh, relentless travel and getting up and having to report to something and playing and just the schedule. That you're on in the NBA, do you know what I mean? Like that—that's different than anything you've played in. If you played in, you know, I was in Europe for a little bit. Like our schedule was really, really light. Like it, you know, you you had all the time in the world to to really have that sleep schedule that 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 Wendy told us Wendy's on. And you know, when you play in college, it's a different vibe too. The NBA will jump on your back, and everything is you know, skill sets are, are great, and everything is good when you feel good. But there are nights penciled in to NBA you know seasons where, boy, you get out there. And even in the layup line, you feel great. And then when the tip goes off, you're like, man, my legs feel like, you know, 20% heavier than they normally feel. Like, those are the nights that he'll have to work his way through. And then you'll really get to, you'll really get to see, like, where, where he's at, right? Because that's part of it. It's what, what you're doing when you feel great. And we've only played a couple of preseason games is one thing. And and I think he projects to be phenomenal, but if, there is the reality that like you're not gonna. That's not the same schedule you're keeping in the regular season, and how you react and and you can recover, and the Spurs get you through that is an, is a whole other conversation.
2: All right, let's go take a flight. We're going to Philly, where the Eagles are kicking ass and you know doing great things. But yeah. the other team, the basketball team, has some real problems. We see. We've been talking about James Harden at length. I, I want to kind of have a pivot on the conversation because. Obviously, James Harden is a is a is a big a big storyline. But I really want to talk about how this affects Embiid, right? Where Embiid had the summer where you're testing the waters on if you're going to leave or not, right? You're kind of pump fake, and it's like a game of double dutch, right? You're just in the, you're just you're just you're just waiting to to kind of go test the waters and get into the double dutch. And it seems like how will this? I'm going to ask Howard this: How will this affect? James Harden's trade request. on how will this affect him Because on the one hand, Embiid is a very, very great player. One of the best bigs in a, in the top tier of basketball players. On the other hand, with or without James Harden, he still hasn't been able to go to the finals. He still hasn't been able to take that next step is if James Harden does leave or when he does leave, is that an indictment on the Sixers? And should uh, Joel Embiid be looking elsewhere? for the rest of his career. What do you think?
0: I have I've written this, I think at least once. And I think I said this on, on uh Bill's podcast on Bill Simmons pod a couple weeks back, which is that it's simultaneously way too soon for us to be speculating about Joel Embiid forcing his way out of Philly. And yet it's impossible not to talk about the possibility of Joel Embiid eventually making, by the way, move. he brought
2: this up when he said it, he said, I either, I want to win a championship in Philly or somewhere else. It was, this is yeah. on him by the way.
0: No, no, no. For sure. Um, He kind of threw that out there in a way that he knew everybody would seize on. There are no accidents um, in today's NBA when superstars start talking about, "Ah, you know, maybe here, maybe somewhere else. But here's the thing. It is too soon to the extent that we don't actually know what the resolution of the James Harden saga is. Right. Seems pretty clear he's not going to be playing another game for the Sixers. And the clock is ticking on, on you know, look, the season starts tomorrow night. Like, you're, you're, he's going to start missing games. The Sixers are going to have an increasing pressure to do something. Now, listen, in the course of a season, you lose some games or you, or you miss your star for some games. You you survive, right? If it's a week, two weeks, whatever, then it's just like he started the season with a knee injury or something that he's recovering from. And you're not, you're not panicking. Like, the season's not going down the tubes in October, November. But they got to... Take care of this soon-ish, right? So the question becomes: What are you getting back for James Harden? Did you get a star back? Because that's Daryl Morey's goal. Okay. Next thing: If you didn't get the star back, did you get enough back to redirect those assets for somebody else's star, for some other star? Because that's from the way Daryl Morey has laid it out, that would be the secondary goal, right? And if all else fails, and listen, like there's <laughs> the clock's ticking for James Harden too, right? There are there are stipulations in the CBA where he can't just like boycott the fucking season. He could surrender his free agency for next summer. The Sixers could block his free agency, so he can't just sit out unless it's by permission from the, from the franchise. So the Embiid question is solely dependent on how this resolves. Because I don't, I'm not just tossing out the season. Like I think you have to assume the Sixers are taking at least a slight step back with all this going on and with the likely loss of James Harden and not knowing what's coming back for him. But what if Tyrese Maxey makes the leap? What if Maxie's an all-star this year? What if they get just enough? Rem- like They've got a pretty solid, just kind of supporting cast, but you need two stars. Embiid needs, needs a tag team partner. So it, it's not to, to diminish Harden's importance at all, but because they have the luxury, potentially, of, of, a, of a Tyrese Maxie who's been on that climb, who looks like he's ready to break through, if that happens, maybe the season's okay. And maybe they get something for Harden either by the deadline or whatever, and then they've got cap room next summer. Like they've got chances to fix this, to placate Joel Embiid. And to date, guys, that interview notwithstanding, Logan, that you were alluding to in the summer, Embiid's not exactly like walking around either, pouting or or saying other things to make it sound like like this is an urgency. Like 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 he's 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 ready to hit that button. Like that's not it's not there yet. We might be there by next summer if the season goes badly, but I don't think we're there yet.
1: Yeah. I mean, I look, I would, I would agree a hundred percent. I don't think that the expiration date is, is right now for that, for that relationship. I think there are things that have to be sorted out. Um, I think Joel Embiid, I, I think deep down, you know, he realizes that efforts have been made, uh, they're, they've been really close. You you can almost touch it. They've been so close to it and you you, you can't always guarantee that the grass isn't always greener. So you can't always guarantee that when you go somewhere else, um, but they do have to resolve the James Harden, the James Harden thing. And what happens this year in that space what they get back, what they're able to surround him with, is is going to determine because I could see a situation where next year, if this year is a train wreck, just from you know, organizationally on the court, um, you know, personnel wise, if this if this is a mess, that's when people are starting to look to leave, right? Like I I think sometimes it's deeper than just for 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 stars winning. Winning and losing. Sometimes it can be that simple, but sometimes it's it's like, hey, we haven't won necessarily. We played at a really high level. We've been close, but it's stable. Like things are things are good here. I can, I can trust, you know, the what's what's gonna take place. I take them at their word for if this is gonna happen, um, we'll make that deal. Or if that doesn't happen, here's how we're gonna pivot and put something else around you. And so the stability is something that is important. So I, I think that factors into it also. I don't think it's always as simple. As hey man, I'm not winning here. I'm ready to leave, if if that makes sense. So if the stability gets yanked out from under him um, and, and it gets really messy and and everything, then we could have a different situation next summer.
2: I mean, when I think about it, I think the the Sixers have done right by Joel throughout at least the front office throughout the last what six seven years. I mean, I think they've done a good job. They've got I mean, all been paper, like three different front yeah, yeah, it's fair. They've moved, however, but, they, but no, there's but like, been a lot of they pieces. Put, they put team. They put my, my my point is that they have put throughout the front offices in recent years. They have put people around. Absolutely. Him. If you say on paper, you put a James Harden on it, around him. You put a Ben Simmons. You pivot, and when that doesn't, you get James Harden, or also you get a Jimmy Butler in the building to play alongside him. I do. Now it hasn't worked out, but you can make the case that they have done right by him in that way. Well, you know, that's or the or thing.
0: No. They're, Right. The biggest blemish is letting Jimmy Butler leave. And that wasn't even this front office. That was a prior front office. Yeah. Right. So even that mistake, you know, like it doesn't matter. Right. Ultimately, if MB decides he's just had it, it doesn't matter who's in that chair right now. It's it's the totality of the last however many years. But yeah. that was a prior administration. And, the, you know, Ben Simmons, these, these are strange. These are these are tough areas to kind of like parse. Right. I don't think the Ben Simmons thing is on the Sixers overall. That's that's my view of it. Like, so if you're Joel Embiid, and it didn't seem like Embiid exactly was like he and Ben Simmons obviously were were kind of you know in different universes anyway. It's not like they had completely some completely different up.
2: personalities. So,
0: so I, I don't think Embiid was like I, Embiid's probably giving the benefit of the doubt in that conflict to the club, not to Ben Simmons. And in the Harden case, might be the same again, right? Um, so. Depending and I'm I'm just I'm I'm interpreting and assuming a little bit there. I don't know that for a fact. But it seems to me that unless you think that the, the franchise kept screwing up with these guys, then you're given the benefit of the doubt to them. And they have, like they've gone all out to try to do what they can for him. It just hasn't yeah. worked out. And some of that's on Joel Embiid.
2: I agree with that, with the with the the sum of that being on Joel, like at a certain point you are, even with Harden on your team, even with all the, this is your team and they go where you lead them. Right. And even look at the, uh, the, the series against the Celtics. Like there were times where Joel was great, but Joel also fumbled the bag as me and Roger have alluded to a lot last year. Um, speaking of Boston, do you want to talk about Boston really quickly. Cause they're very intriguing to me. Right. Like probably, I mean, before, especially before the, the bucks trade to, uh, get Damian Lillard, we're in Quest in my eyes, the most talented team in the Eastern Conference, right? Where they have the two J's, um, even when they even trading Marcus Martin, you know, they have Christophs Porzingis, they do have a core and they also have proof of concept. They have all gone deep in the postseason the last few years. This last season was a tricky one because they, they again, were one the most talented team in the league, but talk about Joe Missoula, his timeouts, relative inexperience. I don't put all the blame on him, but there were some signs from the coaching end on that. I want to go to Raja on this one. When you look at the Celtics right now, is it put up or shut up time at this point, right? Where they do have they do they have signed the Jays, they do have a Christos Porzingis, They have come up short the last few years, you know, with the finals and then last year's just collapse. What kind of what kind of time are they on going into this season?
1: I mean, obviously, their clock's already started. You know, like you, you, they're they're at a point in terms of success where you have to think of them as as having the aspirations realistically to win a championship. So, from that regard, the clock's already started. But like every time you every time you move a piece, like a Marcus Smart, you bring in a Drew Holiday and Chris Stapps comes in, it does it does it doesn't all the way reset the clock. Like, don't get me wrong, but it does buy you a little bit of wiggle room, right? Because. You know, like what happened last year with the coaching change? You have to factor that in. Like you can't just say that everything is going to remain the same as it was, you know, the year before, you know, when, when you had a more seasoned coach, right? So I do think that their expectations should be high and I expect to see them back in an Eastern Conference final and, and that should be another knockdown dragout type of series. But if it shouldn't work out and they don't win a championship this year, like I don't think it's panic mode in Boston. I, I just don't. Like I think if they're really good now if if you see real slippage as an organization and as individuals and things just don't look good, um they haven't lived up to expectations. Some of those coaching issues rear their head again. Like now we're t- now we're talking about a different conversation. and we and we can have that. but if if things remain well and they just don't get over the hump in terms of it's a seven game series, you know they they played well and they just got beat by a better team. i don't I don't think it's panic mode. I don't think that's the end of of what we're looking at in Boston. they They're still, there's youth out there, um, you know, and there've been some moving pieces.
0: No, I mean, listen to the extent that I think that there's some urgency. It's that Horford's got a ton of miles on him, and he's been really integral to this entire era, right? The backbone of of that team uh, defensively and otherwise, um, a leader, you know, kind of more, kind of a subtle leader, but a leader. Drew Holiday, who they just picked up and who's now going to be a really important piece, is what 33. So, like, there's some age stuff going on. There's also just the Whether it's the players themselves or the franchise sometimes, when you've had a one-two punch for a while and they haven't broken through, at a certain point, you start to question. Either you question or the players themselves question. And, you know, listen, I've I've talked about this before. There's been rumblings around the league for a long time that Jalen Brown might want to explore the possibility of being the number one somewhere. And I don't know how much stock to place in that, but that is, I've heard that you know, on a kind of rolling basis in recent years. And he just got a massive, massive contract besides. So there's the other pressure point. You've got Jalen Brown with the richest contract to date in NBA history and, and Jason Tatum on a massive deal. And poor Zingas has got some decent money coming to him. Like There's there are going to be cap pressures uh, besides. So I don't know if, it, if this is the all or nothing year. It feels like every year in the NBA for every contending team. M- might might be all or not like might might be the the referendum on their entire existence because the system is set up now where the financial pressures are so great because of luxury taxes and all the restrictions that come with it in the new CBA that it always feels like if you don't prove that this team is worth it you have to reassess everything. Look, that's the that's the
1: world that's the world we live in, right? Where it's like, look, you turn on a TV, any after big game moment. And if said player didn't play well in one game, it is a referendum it's on, his whole on their career. Yeah, It's you're like, well, shit. I mean, <laughs> you know, like what the hell can we go by? Like in, in 10 game samples or something, this is a one by one game. <laughs> like it's ridiculous, but, and all that may be true, like in terms of the cap pressures and, and, and the age and, and, and of, of some of the the parts of it. And it may wind up being that if they don't get over the hump, that's what it is. but it, but it shouldn't be because when you're making it as deep as they're making it year in and year out, I, I try to tell people there's so much more that goes into that than just who's the better team. It's so more, it's so much more fucking nuanced than that. Like, and, and, you know, I'm not saying that occasionally you won't get a case where, Hey, that's just the better team that won, but there are a lot of moving parts. And as you extract pieces that are really important and you plug other ones in, you have to you have to accommodate for that in the equation a little bit, and you know I don't know to what degree or what percent, but it's just it's just the human element of it, right? And so again, if you saw that this team wasn't constructed well, and there was real slippage, or you saw that relationship stale before your eyes, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, and there was real shit that we could point to on a night to night and be like, look at that, look at that body language, look at him, bro. Every time that happens, he's, he look at that passive aggressiveness. Like if that starts happening. I, I, I then yeah obviously but anything short of that in a world where they're competing and things look good and you know and and let's say they just don't get over the hump I, I don't I don't I wish that we weren't in the world where you'd have to
2: say hey man we got to break that up. One of the things that when I think about the Celtics this season and I want to get your take on this Howard is is Joe Mazzulla and the evolution of him as a coach right now. Last year he was thrust in that position after M.A. Udoka's departure and. You know, a lot of the criticism was, and boy, did Roger have some criticism for Joe in the playoffs last <laughs> my bad, year, Joe. Hey, my bad, um, Joe. Just was on his head. But um, a lot of that had to do with, you know, inexperience, right? right? Uh, just the timeout situation that he's been doing, right? And they, they've they got, the, the Celtics have put lead assistants, Charles Lee is one of them, Sam Cassava, I believe, is another one, lead assistants to help with that transition as a young coach. What is does what Joe Missoula have to prove this season, Howard?
0: You know, they also just brought in Jeff Van Gundy as a what consultant. What's his title? Yeah. So I, I think they just called him consultant, like not coaching consultant. Like, I don't think I don't get the impression Jeff's going to be on the bench. I have not checked into that. So but even just the mere presence of like a longtime former head coach uh, brought in. I don't know. Like, it, it, maybe he's just a resource. Maybe he's just somebody for Brad Stevens to bounce ideas off of, and then, yeah, and, and for Joe Mazzulla to bounce ideas off of as as well. I don't know how how much he'll be around, but you know, it, it, it's just worth noting. It may mean nothing. It, it may just be that, hey, listen, Jeff Van Gundy let go by ESPN. He's available. He's been in the game for a really long time. He's he's had a lot of success. He's a great resource. Why not?
2: Could also just be wanting to get them consultant checks. You know, them consultant checks. Pretty well from they, they're pretty good from what I've here
0: I've been looking for those for years, man. I'll, I'll <laughs> sign up for those consultant <laughs> gigs. But I mean, from a but from a Celtics franchise perspective, why are you bringing him in now at this 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 late hour before the season starts? I don't know. I don't know. I I, I don't want to read too much into it. But in this league, you never just dismiss stuff like that. You just you kind of note it. Missoula's got a lot to prove, and it's tough because he's really young. He was thrust into this situation in the strangest and toughest of circumstances on the eve of the season, basically, last year. And everybody knows, like, if Will Hardy hadn't left in the offseason, it would have been Will Hardy's job when Ime had, had to step aside. So there was a lot of scrutiny. You've got the highest of expectations. You've got this great one-two punch. You've got a team that's been to the conference finals a bunch of times. Expectations are as high as they come. Um, and you're learning on the fly. And he, he didn't even have that much time in the NBA, period, as an assistant even before that and so his team
2: didn't quite like in the especially in the beginning of the season last year his team wasn't quite on board with him like i'm not even saying that it's it, like he did anything wrong but they were very much emu guys at that point yeah. right and they're still in real time last year trying to figure out that change
0: i mean it's not like he had to follow you know phil jackson or chuck daly or pat riley right it's not like that but emu Udoka had been the one who came in as a rookie head coach and got a team that had been struggling to break through for years and Ime Udoka got them to break through they got to the finals they had their best season with this crew as an Imei Udoka team so yeah Logan you're absolutely right like they're they identified with him and his style his personality his forcefulness made an impression and kind of helped mold that team into what they became and suddenly he's gone and players were outspoken about how they felt about it too like they you know they they were not happy about him having to be uh, forced out of the position. So it just, I I feel for Missoula in that sense, in that sense, because there's a lot that's just out of his control circumstantially. And then on top of it, yeah, like there's more than enough room to criticize his performance. Hey, he's had an entire off season to create his own uh, plan for this team, to think about what went right and what went wrong last season, to have his own training camp now, to have his own staff. They were even short staffed I mean, they even lost Damon Stoudemire along the way off the step. Uh, during so, the season. <laughs> during the season. So I, I'd, I'd, I'd say, you know, uh, far be it for me to tell Celtics fans that they should, like, take a deep breath and, and give the guy a little bit of breathing room. But I think that's the case now. Like, let's see what he does. With, hey, Simmons, uh, give him
2: a rest. It's going to be all right, big dog. <laughs> <Just> ch- <laughs> chill out. <laughs> Jump into the NBA season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers can bet $5 and get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Plus, all customers can get 3 months of NBA League Pass courtesy of FanDuel when they place a $5 bet on the NBA. Man, there's a lot of over/unders and wins. You know what? I'm going to just say this. I'm taking the over and wins on for the Nuggets, for the Bucks, and I'm going to go with the Lakers and Celtics and over on wins. That's going to be my upcoming bets on the season. You can watch all the action as you bet on everything from point spreads to player props. Best of all, you'll get paid your winnings instantly. So don't miss your chance to get $200 in bonus bets plus three months of NBA League Pass. Just visit FanDuel.com slash RingerNBA and tip off the season right. FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. Must be 21 years and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only, $10. First deposit required. Bonus issued is not withdrawable. Bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. All customer offer, $5 NBA money wager required. Limit one pass per customer across both offers. Restrictions apply. Void where prohibited. See full terms for both offers at fanduel.com backslash sportsbook. NBA league pass, local blackout restrictions apply. probably in the group chats. Will Dame Lillard keep Giannis in Milwaukee? Rajah Bell. Yeah, yeah, he can keep it in Milwaukee. Is it a done deal? Well,
1: yeah, I, th- I think it's closer to being done than it is. I think there's a much higher likelihood that he stays to play with with Dame. But we're we're dealing with the new staff there. Like you're dealing with the you're you're dealing with the new staff there, and that's always you know some of the most turbulent times I've had as an NBA player is or in that transition from from one coach to another where where you know, we could be trying to learn new verbiage. We could be philosophically changing, you know, our pace. We could be switching from a, from a more wide open floor to more traditional. We're going to put a big in. what, what, what have you, right? Like those, those things, it's hard to account for them. It's hard to really quantify, like to what degree it's going to change the dynamic and the, and the, and, and kind of the relationships and the style that you play. So I don't have the answer to that, but I do think you know, Giannis is a super high usage rate. Like both of those guys are top 10 usage rate dudes. Right. Um, But I think Giannis is a smart enough and savvy enough basketball player to realize that, you know, although he's there, I had his career year in points per game last year with that usage rate. Like as he gets older, it takes more and more of a toll on your body to have to do it with the ball in your hands all the time. And he's got to do now who can help him eat and not have to do as much work. And I think that becomes important to the better players. And it's, it's, it's manifested itself in different in different ways, right? Like you've seen the Kobe and the MJs and those guys turn into more back to the basket, mid-post, less dribbling, yet less, less, you know, explosive mid-range jump shooters. Like you've seen different people morph into different things. But I think for Giannis now, with somebody like Dame, you can get you can get, you know, kind of the same results with less actual usage. And smart basketball players that we're talking about all time, great potentially basketball players, they figure out, like, I got to do more with less to protect myself. I got to protect this body. And I do think that they will work together, you know, on the court. But I am keeping an eye on what that what that change in culture, that change in philosophy, that change in messaging. What what does that do? Not just to Dame and, and Giannis, but like, you know, they've been really good and. You know, when you change that, my, my my only real experience with being on a really good team and that happening is when we let Mike D'Antoni walk in Phoenix and we were really good. And then Shaq, Shaq came in and then Terry Porter came in and we were stuck in the middle of like, do we want to be this high flying team that we've been? It's been really successful, although we haven't won a championship with it. Or are we going to kind of change a little bit because Terry wants to, you know, do it like this. And ultimately they wound up, you know, moving on from Terry and going back to eight a, a, um, um, AG Alvin Gentry. Alvin Gentry, who took them back to that
2: style, right? So that's kind of what I'm saying. Like, uh, that I can't, I don't know. We'll have to watch Howard. When there there were some news on the coaching staff very recently where Terry stotts just up abruptly leaves, right? And that doesn't at least on outside look very promising, right? Like, it, the season hasn't even started yet, and that happens. Is are we, is should we look into that a little bit more than we are, or, or is it what what is your read on that to start the season?
0: <sighs> Strange, a uh, little troubling, and given that Stotts had strong ties to Dame, obviously he was just coach for most of his career in Portland. It's not like he he was hired for that. Like Stotts was there first, then Dame got there. But like it seemed like a really nice uh, coincidence, if nothing else, for the Bucks and a comfort level for Dame. And Stotts was going to be the offensive coach, right? And and as a guy who knows how to maximize Dame and has a comfort with him and a and a, a, a rapport there. For him to all of a sudden just up and go the week before opening night, I I haven't poked around too much on this, but like, the yeah, I mean, we've all heard the same kind of stuff. It's just there was tension between him and and Adrian Griffin. And you could see that, right? Like You could see how that could happen, right? Adrian Griffin's a rookie head coach who needs to establish his voice and his authority. Terry Stotts is a longtime head coach who hasn't been an assistant in a very long time, who probably is used to a, a certain amount of Autonomy. And from everything I've gathered, yeah, he even before this, this reported blow up last week at a shoot around, from what I gathered, Stotts was just not feeling comfortable in this kind of diminished role and trying to figure out how to, to feel his way. So it's not great, but listen, guys, I mean, you know, Raja, correct me if I'm wrong on this or if I'm if I'm leaning too much in the other direction. Like the coaching staff matters, and the knowledge you have on a staff matters, especially when you have a rookie head coach on a team with high expectations, just as we were talking about the Celtics and Missoula on the other hand, really like it comes down to your players. It's, it's always still about the players and this is, you have the core still minus drew holiday. You have the core of a team that, that won the championship two years ago and you brought in Damian Lillard, an all time great who doesn't need to be told how to play this game at a high level. And I think he and Giannis are going to be spectacular together. So this may just be a blip. I'm not, I'm not sure that the stats thing it feels like a little alarming because of the timing and the, and the and just the the circumstance. I'm not sure it really matters in the end because the talent is there for this team to go really far. And you know, and on the on the there's the backside of this, of course, how they play this year and how far they go probably matters a lot for how Giannis will feel about staying. But this organization's done everything right. Like they got they got him Drew Holiday. They went and won a championship. They went they just went out and got him Damian Lillard one of the 75 greatest players of all time. Like they've done everything possible. It may not work out, but they've done everything possible.
1: Yeah. I I don't think you're, I don't think you're off. The only, the only thing I would say, maybe just for, just to, just to watch, like what I don't know is if a Terry Stotts is in there trying to retain some of the style that the old regime had, because he knew that the players see players do matter, but there's gotta be a comfort level there. Right. And there's gotta be trust and buy-in from the players. That's where, that's where it gets kind of crazy. So if Terry Stotts is in there saying, hey, listen, a, a Griff, this is what these dudes are comfortable in. It's been really successful. Sure, you're going to tweak it a little bit and you'd like me to you know, tweak it, but let's not overhaul it. Because if we overhaul it, like you're going to have a lot of dudes that are looking around like, oh shit, what are we doing this? And that? that's where things get a little sideways, right? So let's not do that. If that's what Terry Stotts was on and Adrian Griffin's pushback was like, no, fuck it. I'm the new coach. This is the way I want it. Then... You could wind up with a problem there because that's hard for players to do. Now, I I tend to think Griff is a smart enough dude. He's been in those locker rooms. He was one of my vets in Dallas that he knows what I'm talking about, which is when you come into something like that, especially when you're, you know, that team's won a championship and you're a first time head coach. The last thing you want to do is come in there and scrap everything they've done to, to, to like pacify, like, and, and feel good about yourself, like to, to satiate your ego. Like that's not a good look. And I have no idea what's happening there, so I'm hoping it was more like, look, Terry Stotts is an old head coach in terms of old; he's done it for a while, and he's the one looking to change a lot of things offensively. And Griff has the foresight to be like, look, that's not going to end well. So here's what I'd like you to do, and that's why they parted ways. So the right answer to that question, I think, is gonna is gonna be, you know, the answer to how good they are. Like, is Griff trying to change? everything and terry stotts was the ones pushing back or was it the flip side of that because that is a very hard thing for players to do as as good as they are howard like as good as they are logan and they're professionals and they play at this high level pulling the rug out from under them and switching everything on the fly and trying to tell them that your way is the right way especially when you don't have you know the championship rings to prove it that's that that doesn't go over
2: well usually a lot, of, a lot of ageism on this podcast episode. Jeez, Howard is Howard's about to leave us. Howard's about to go.
0: I think I think Stats has a few years on me, so I'm just I won't I won't be offended on this one.
2: <laughs> no, it's going to be interesting in there. I got a couple few more questions before we get to predictions. Um, one thing that I've just been throwing mind around and just trying to get a gauge on. Howard, you had a story on just how trade requests have evolved, right? And how we, you know, we approach free agency. How much do you think that's going to affect just the, the volume of trade requests that we have? How much is that going to affect the player side in the next CBA negotiations? Is that going to, I don't, it doesn't yeah. seem like it'll bode well.
0: I mean, considering the, the, high, the most high profile things that we've had. I, this is what, this is like one of those like unanswerable like problems for the league. If you want to call it a problem. And the thing is, the league loves transactions. League loves trade rumors. (laughs) League loves. (laughs) They act uh, like
2: they don't. They act like they don't.
0: Yeah, but they're full of shit. They love that shit. Yeah. They, they, they they love this being a year round league. They love the fact that the NBA, for whatever, whatever it takes, as long as it's not, you know, scandalous, for the, for the league to stay in the, the discussion on the debate shows, on social media, whatever, the league generally loves it. But that said, like, the the trend of guys asking out demanding out forcing their way out it's accelerated so much in the last 5 years specifically if they were going to try to to tamp it down guys i think they would have done it in the cba that they just agreed to and they didn't do anything in this cba to 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 attempt that and you know look it, it takes two to tango you've got to have the players association's consent um or agreement on any new policy you're putting in i don't know how to to i don't know how to roll this one back I don't, and I don't think the league does either. I think this is just where we are. Players make a ton of money now. They have a ton of leverage. And there's all kinds of circumstances that have changed over the last 10 years in particular we don't need to go into. But um, this is just where we are. So I don't think it's changing. I mean, um, again, back to our, our buddy Michael Pina, who had a story on the ringer.com today about his 20 predictions. He said, I think five of the following will be traded this season. And it's a, it's a list of maybe like 10. And they're all decent names to be traded. And like that would be a lot of in season trades. But as I'm looking at it and I'm thinking it, that's, that's actually not that crazy because of where we are. Plus teams are in, in response to this CBA with all its new restrictions, trying to get their books in order too. So the combination of whether it's guys asking out or teams wanting to make moves for their own purposes or cap reasons or whatever does feel like we are heading into a season where we should expect a lot of trade activity between now and February. And if the uh, league denies it, uh, the fact is they'll, they'll love it. Roger,
2: does this, if you're a player right now, we talked about this last episode, if you're a player right now, are you scared at all about like anything coming down the pike or getting something or not being able to get something because of the ramifications of these past star trade requests? Uh, I mean, I'm not, I'm
1: not scared. When I was a player, I didn't, I wouldn't, scared of anything (laughs) i mean you were like whatever we're living in this world this is this is this is what it is right these are the rules that are in place we're just taking advantage of of uh you know what was collectively bargained Uh, i mean i i guess i would logan like uh, as a human watching it knowing that the the person on the other side of these demands is getting screwed in some cases like yeah you got to be you got to be ready for that but i don't think i'd be scared like i don't to howard's point you know roll rolling that back I mean, how how do you, how do you do it? Like I would, I, and when I was a player, I wasn't worried about none of that shit anyway. So the answer is no. Well, fuck, <laughs> <laughs> play ball, man. Ain't nobody worried about that shit. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> now sitting on this side of the mic, I've been telling you, like, yeah, like I, they, they better be worried. But when I play, you asked me when when you were a player. Now the answer is hell no. Let's go. <laughs>
2: <laughs> All right, man. <laughs> We're, Raj is already in mid season four. (laughs) (laughs) Curmudgeon Raja is here. (laughs) No, it wasn't even Curmudgeon, but like that's where,
1: that's where most of us are at, man. Like now, if I was a league, you know, vice president and I was having to take weekly calls or monthly calls with, with representatives, like 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 another
2: trade request, fuck, another one. Yeah. But,
1: but just as a man, come on, bro. Let's hoop.
2: Uh, Let's go. Let's, let's finish off in the bay. You know, let's, let's do it. To me, to me and Howard's, you know, to our old uh, stopping grounds. I want to talk about the Warriors really quickly. I'm gonna start with Howard. Howard, and we'll get into this back throughout the season. But right now, from 3,000 miles away, do you think the CP3 experiment is going to work?
0: I do. I actually do. I thought so from the moment they made the deal, and I don't. I have not seen anything in the preseason to to dissuade me of that. The one thing I thought for sure and this is before Draymond went down and they, they just, you know, they, they had to start Chris Paul. I thought Chris Paul is sixth man and I, th- I still think that's where it ends up ultimately is the best way to go about it. Like, why are you taking the ball out of Steph Curry's hands? Why are you changing up a starting five that statistically was one of the best of the NBA last season? Like, stick with, the, stick with that group. Um, and besides that, now you can have 48 minutes of a Hall of Fame point guard every single night if you're alternating between those guys. And of course, they're going to play together. There's going to be some overlap. They're probably going to finish games with Chris Paul out there more often than not. And Chris Paul anchors that second unit. Maybe he gets easier shots for Kaminga and Moody and helps stabilize that that younger second unit. I think there's all kinds of advantages there. And yeah, look, I mean, look, Logan, you just did the great story on Jordan Poole and the, the new start he's getting in Washington. You tell me, is it pretty clear that like if they had tried to keep him that was untenable, right? Like, pro- not just personality-wise between him and Draymond, I think just between him and the whole team and also just his fit and his his impulses, his every, like, swapping out Oof. young, impulsive, highly paid Jordan Poole, who, by the way, may not get along with one of your most important players, swapping him out for Chris Paul even at 38, I think is, is the right move. Spectacular move.
2: Me and Tim Kawakami has me and him have had a debate throughout the preseason about this. And I am of the mind I am of the mind that this is what me and Tim agree on. They should have traded Jordan Poole for sure. Like no matter how good he was, and I think me and Raja agreed on this as well. Like no matter how good he was, if it's untenable and you guys are trying to win, like you have to get the guy out of the building. If it's not working, you, this is a fast-paced league and also like Steph and Clay and Draymond, if that's who you're picking, they don't have a lot of time to waste in their career. They need they want to compete for titles. My thing is I just don't know about the age point for CP3. And if history is a guide, I just don't see him holding up in the times where you need him the most in May in June, so on and so forth at 38 years old. And the last few postseasons that he's had, his body has just not since 2021, his body. And even then during their finals run in Phoenix, there, he still was out during extended stretches of the postseason, and that's when you know you would want him to ha- want to have him. Now, I think the, I've been to all the Warriors games to start the season. I think that they have start the preseason. Excuse me. I think they have looked great in certain spurts. My question is just the longevity and how that will work. And I, I just I don't I don't think we all any of us have an answer for that. But I thought if you were going to trade for a guy. Maybe you and Roger has, and I agree with him on this. You're going to trade for a guy for this roster. You want somebody that's young and athletic. And I don't know, man. CP is just not either of those things at this point of his career. It's just it's bother time. It is what it is. I just that's where I'm at.
0: More ageism. Look at this. More ageism. Yeah,
2: more ageism. 38 <laughs> sounds
1: young to me. <laughs> Shit, for me too. I take it right now. Um, I can agree. I can agree with what Howard's saying. You know, I think it does address like the minutes when Steph's off the floor. Um, you know, there there are reasons why that I, I think that a player of that skill level and basketball IQ can fit with other players that have high skill levels and basketball IQs. All of that's fair, but I'm, I always come back to what what Logan just said. I mean, I I just that couldn't be the move that you, as an organization, were sitting there like licking your chops at as the season ended, saying this addresses the problems like this is the one where hey listen guys i know this shit didn't end well but if we can fucking get chris paul i think we're good i don't i don't see that and i could maybe i'm wrong shit maybe maybe i'm wrong but i think that's a deal that that you 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 move on to after you know, you realize that you can't get the one that's that always
2: on. going to be there, man. In some way, shape or form. It was always going to be there. Yeah.
1: And it might it might be it might be a good fit. And, and it, like, it, I'm not saying it, it, it's going to be a train wreck or anything like that. But I don't see that as the move that gets them over the hump.
0: It, it, I, I, so here's the thing, though. NBA trades. It's it's all like we you can't set out and have like some idea like, hey, all right, guys, let's get together. Mike Dunleavy held us up, everybody. We're going to trade Jordan Poole. What do we want? The guy you actually want, whatever that ideal is, probably somebody who's 10 years younger than Chris Paul, granted, the guy's probably not available. Guy probably wasn't available. I mean, you make the deal you can make, and you're also trying to swap out a massive contract that's about to start. And so you got to find a team that's actually willing to take on Jordan Poole and all that comes with him, including the contract and including kind of a gunner mentality and everything else with the ball in his hands. So how many teams were going to do that? And how many teams were going to give you something of value? And Chris Paul at 38 is is still a pretty effective player, just in smaller doses. And this is a team that can afford to use him in smaller doses, provided everybody else stays healthy. That obviously, that's a big caveat, right? Between Draymond, Clay Thompson, and and Steph, there's a lot of miles, and guys are going to get bumped up or uh, banged up over the course of the season. It's going to happen. I just think Chris Paul brings some things to the table that are going to help them. And, like, the reason the preseason kind of just reaffirmed to me that this is going to be a net plus for them, as much as I just said, like, I like the idea of him coming off the bench and not necessarily spending a ton of time with Steph, I'm watching it and I'm going, first of all, they're playing off each other, it seems like, brilliantly, naturally, seamlessly. Secondly, like, what's the biggest nightmare for opposing defenses? It's not necessarily Steph with the ball. It's when he doesn't have the ball, and the whole time your head's on a swivel, all five of your defenders are going like, where is he? Where is he? Where is he? It yeah. drives defenses crazy, and and Chris Paul <laughs> Chris is going to find him or find somebody else while you're all distracted by where Steph is is darting around to. They haven't had a, a playmaker like Chris Paul. I think Chris Paul's in his own category, so I don't want to make the comparison too directly, but think about not having Andre Iguodala anymore As that point forward off the bench or Sean Livingston. They always had some other uh, really great playmaker types who could get the offense going. Chris Paul is, is, is providing a a benefit that they haven't had for a while.
1: That's fair. But both of those dudes you just mentioned, while they're not Chris Paul with the ball, they're long, they're defensive. They're, they're, they were they're athletic, like, you know, they were younger. So like, why well, I can agree. Listen, <laughs> yeah, dude, I'm telling you, like, I agree with everything you're saying. I'm not pushing back and it, it will remain to be seen. I'm not pushing back on any of that specifically. I think it could all be true and it's still not get them over the hump is all I'm saying. Like, do you know what I mean?
0: Yeah. I mean, listen, that all true. But listen, I, I've, I've noted this several times about last season. Andrew Wiggins missed like two thirds of the season. It is really important That's to their fair. defense. Like That's their defense fair. fell apart. Last season, and especially on the road, there's all kinds of weird shit that happened, right? Like if the Jordan Poole, Draymond Green thing never happens, if Draymond never punches Jordan Poole, if Andrew Wiggins doesn't have a combination of injury and then personal issues that take him away from the team, that was a team that won 44 games anyway. They would have been a 50 plus win team. And we would have said, you know what? They're not that far off. If I had
1: scored ten more points a game, I would have fucking still been playing. Come on,
0: I'm just saying there were circumstances. There were circumstances. <laughs> circumstances fair, huh? <laughs>
1: there were. There were, and I didn't account that. That is fair. That is that is fair. The Andrew Wiggins piece, I think, was a was a really big deal, and I hadn't really factored that into what they. Wound and they were force feeding their like young the guys the into
0: season. the rotation, and they were still trying to get Weissman going. They finally gave up on that. They brought back. There's another one. What if they had been able to swap Weissman for Gary Payton II before the season, or never actually let. Peyton walk in the first place but that was you know there were some some money issues there so they're they finished the season as a different team and now different again because they swapped out pool for Chris Paul I don't know Listen, I I think they've got a shot to to go a long way here I like I like the the west is stacked right now but they're not these are not super teams we're talking about it's just a lot of really really good teams and they all have concerns
1: well, trust me. I hope. I hope you're right. I pull for Steph. I pull for the. I pull for the Warriors. I think it's way more fun when those guys are are viable. I just, you know, maybe it's more of a, maybe maybe it's less about them and more about what the West is. Like to your to your point, you just made. Like it's just, you know, that that's that's hectic
2: out there. All right, man. Let's get into predictions. Um, first off, we're gonna go MVP, and then we will do our finals predictions, our annual founders predictions. I'm gonna go with Giannis. I just think that. I think this move with Dame, and maybe I'm higher on it than a lot of people, but I think it's going to rejuvenate him. I think it's going to give him a lot more space to operate. And I think he is going to flourish at this thing. I think he's going to dominate the league, and not that he doesn't in general, but I think this is just going to be his year. I'm going with Giannis Kumbo. Howard, who you got?
0: I was working on this over the weekend because uh, we have a preview uh, stories going up on the on TheRinger.com, including our predictions. I, you know... Giannis was was under serious. Giannis was probably my second choice, but I went with Jokic, and here's the reason. I hate to do it this way, where it's not necessarily about entirely what the season that the guy has is, but more like the the gaming it out the way the votes go. When two stars are on a team of that caliber, we the voters, we the media, the general public has a hard time parsing out who to give all the credit to. And so, if the Bucks look that much better this year because it's Giannis and Dame together, is Giannis going to lose a little bit? by having a star of that caliber with him in the past, when he was MVP twice, he, he didn't have anybody anywhere near him. And so that, that happens sometimes, right? Same thing with like Katie and Devin Booker. They're going to kind of cancel each other out or, or dilute each other's support for MVP. And a lot of the other candidates that people are tossing around are on teams that just aren't going to be good enough. Like I, I'm still a big believer in, and that this has been the case for the last, most of the last 40 years, usually you got to be on a contender. So it's not Shea, it's not Luca. I think it's Jokic again, third time in four hey man, years. Man,
2: Shaq said Shaq said that uh, the Mavericks are winning the title. I don't know what you're talking about with contenders, but no. I'm gonna I'm, I'm just gonna pretend Shaq never said that.
1: <laughs> man, man, I like I like Luca, but I agree. Like I don't I don't you're not you're not, you're just not you got you got to be winning. Luke would I, have
2: to have like a Westbrook historic type season that we've never ever seen before, and to get the narrative that way to win MVP. In my opinion.
1: Yeah, he was just trying. To, I, don't, I don't know. Then Kyrie, the Kyrie situation. I don't really know. I'm go, I'm going with. I'll probably go with Giannis too. I think the favorites obviously are going to be the three that were standing there last year, right? Like you got Jokic, Giannis, and Embiid, you know, and and Embiid's situation, who knows what that looks like. I could I can make a, you know, I think it's a great case for 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 Jokic, but I'm gonna go ahead and go with you, Logan, for for reasons stated. I I think Giannis has a legitimate shot um to get the MVP. I think he's one of those dudes that mentally, you know, it's got like that that kind of Kobe ish stuff to him. like those real killers have that. Chip on their shoulder, even though I'm the best player in the league or one of the best players in the league. I was slighted. My team didn't win. And you've 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 you know made this quest up in your mind that you got to accomplish to be back on top. And so I see him on that type of mission.
0: None of us mentioned Tatum, by the way. I thought about it. I did. Sorry, but like I'm
1: I, you know, the Jalen, the Jalen Brown, like you swayed me off of it because I was really going Jason Tatum for a minute, and he swayed me I don't, off. Of it. I'm
2: gonna be real, man. This, I I, 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 with Jason Tatum, I need him to. I think there's another level he can reach, but I think that when it comes down to it, I do not like what I see from him when, and this is probably like a postseason thing, but I do not like what I see from him when the season is on the line. Consistently, this is we saw what happened in the finals against the Warriors and kinda how he kinda just cratered and we, we gave that a lot to youth. And I know he was injured throughout, you know, last the the uh he got injured in game seven and that is unfortunate. But the Celtics were clearly the better team against the Miami Heat last year. And there were times where He got Joe Missoula though. Damn. Shut he up, You got Joe Mizzoula, bro. They sat in Shut that up, damn 2-3 yeah,
1: zone. No. You you were, let the hey, damn hey, Heat beat you in a 2-3 hey, zone. Hey, Don't hey, get me started, bro. Hey, hey, you hey, you hey gonna let the hey. You won't let the damn Heat sit in a 2-3 zone and hey, with all that he, shooting and all that playmaking and beat him was you. was also hurt in
0: that last game.
2: If, if fucking you were you got a Joe top Mizzoula. three player, fuck that. If you were a top three player, fuck that. You know? Fair. There's been a lot of great all-time players that have overcame sus coaching. So I'm not going to give him that. I need Jason Tatum to take a next step, and I need I think to trust fair. him in postseason, in I post-season play when the yeah, season I mean, is that on should not
0: line. affect whether he can win MVP in the regular season, but the general <laughs> concern about I agree. Tatum as a superstar in this league, the concern yes. is 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 real and legit.
2: Not rewarding that. Not rewarding that. I'm sorry. Mm. I know that's mm. postseason and regular season. I'm just not going to reward it with a preseason pick based on what I've been seeing. Fair. And there you have it. Um, all right, let's go to our finals matchup. I am looking at the my uh list that is going to come out tomorrow on the ringer.com our prediction list. I'm going to go with Lakers Bucks and I got the Bucks in 6. I really like what the Lakers are doing. I loved what they were doing going into the last stretch of last season when they made all the roster moves and they got they got better. Like I really love what they did in the offseason. I I am concerned about Christian Wood is the backup center because Christian Wood is, I saw him play in in Dallas and left much to be desired specifically on the defensive end. So we'll see what happens on that end. But I think that they are a very deep team overall, probably among the deepest. Now you need LeBron to be healthy and you need AD to be healthy, but if they're healthy, we know that they are, um, they are the, they can they have the potential to be the best team in the West. So I'm going to pick the Lakers and the bucks and i think the bucks are going to win six it's for the deeper team and i think that uh yeah, i think that dame on the bucks puts them over the top what do you think howard what what, what are your predictions uh, for finals matchup and winner uh
0: for the list that we had to send to our editors for um, that story on the ringer.com tomorrow i also picked bucks over lakers this was hard like i know like we shouldn't spend that much time racking our brains in october for these predictions they're just supposed to be fun something to read whatever but like you you try to put some thought into these things and like there are years where it feels like i feel pretty firm pretty good about the prediction or feel good at least about one i don't feel good I, I was torn i have no idea it's i think it's a two-team race in the east it's it's bucks or celtics i feel slightly better about the bucks than the celtics but i think it's maybe a coin flip and the west it's like are you picking denver or the field effectively and repeating is really hard to sleep. Like, I'm, well, listen, I'm not even knocking Denver. I I do think people are like really carried away with trying to make them a dynasty when they've only won one title. Like, can they win? Can they win a second you their championship? GM? You mean their GM? Are we talking about their GM? I'm not talking about their GM. No. no. Um, mm, I'm, I'm, okay. I'm, <laughs> there are other people <laughs> okay. who shall remain nameless who have who have gone there. I just don't see how you start talking using the big D word um, for a team that's won one, if they get to a second championship, because it takes three in my mind to be a, a dynasty. When you get to two and you're still intact, then you can say, you know what? This team might be on the verge of becoming a dynasty. If you've won one, a lot of teams have won one. And like, Howard, I know- I'm throwing
2: some water on this fucking this, this, the Denver nuggets. I'm gonna be real with you. I was at Roger little test last year. I was not like, I was not a, a a Denver Nuggets fan. I love Jokic. I love what he's doing, but I think they were a matter of circumstance of that Western conference. And I know championships are won that way, but it was a very transient, uh, weird, wonky Western conference. And they happened to just be the team that was just the most intact. The conference is way better this year. Way better this year, and I don't think. And they, they had some flaw, like some flaws going into last season. They didn't win the games a lot of in the regular season that you need to win. They sat their starters. I just didn't like their vibe. And if they bring that shit out this year, I don't think that they're going to do this. And also, Bruce Brown was a huge, huge, um, uh, departure for them. I, I'm not, I'm not sold on the Nuggets. I think I'm they sure can this repeat. Might be, come back to haunt me some while.
0: I think they can repeat. I just don't think they will repeat. It's hard, and they did lose Bruce Brown, and they lost Jeff Green, and the West is tougher, and the Suns have a super team, and the Lakers are better, and the Warriors are better than they were last year. Um, There's just going to be a lot tougher gauntlet to get through.
1: Yeah. Uh, So you want my pick now?
0: Yeah, we'll, we'll oh, have your pick. Oh, all right. <laughs> my, my bad, Roger. No, 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 no.
1: We, we, went, a little
2: past, we went a little past uh, Roger's pod time here. So, you know, we, we got to get him locked in. We got to yeah, go. Yeah, I'm
1: already gone. I'm already gone. Um, <laughs> I'm just a shell right now. I'm gone. Um, yeah, I, I'm going to take Milwaukee. I mean, Milwaukee boss. I'm take. i going to take Milwaukee. I'm not picking against Damon and Giannis, but I will take the Suns in the West. I would take the Suns to come out. Homer the West. pick. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I had plans to go out. Uh, Sean Marriott told me he's having his jersey put up in the Ring of Honor in December, so I, I nice. might be out in
2: Phoenix. Amari um, um, Stoudemire also in the Ring of Honor this season in March, I think.
1: Oh, Stad didn't even tell me. I see his ass every night. I coach his son, like, and, and he okay. he ain't even tell me that. Um, but anyway, yeah, I'm gonna take the Suns. i, I like I like uh, I know the West is loaded, but um, I think that offensive trio in the playoffs, trying to game plan against it, try to figure out who to stop. And when you shade a game plan in one direction, it leaves, it leaves a lot of opportunity in other places. A lot of teams aren't built to really expose that offensively the way the, way the Suns are. So, I mean, figure some things out defensively, but I like them. I'll, t- I'll take the Suns um, and the Bucs, and I'll take the Bucs to win it ultimately.
2: I would love that finals, Ra. I'm just really concerned about the Suns' ability to guard front court guys, like if they got a, if they get a bad matchup against Giannis or somebody, like you, you're asking KD to guard Giannis, not Giannis. Well, you're asking KD to guard Giannis, but Jokic in the Western Conference, you're asking him to guard AD, and then still give you that. We saw that last year where Jokic was playing against uh, KD, and it was like, oh fuck, God. every single time it was tough.
1: Well, the flip the flip side of that is he got guard his ass on the other end, and That's when you when, and when you don't have Bradley Beal. I'm telling you, you can concoct the defense and shade it to really hey, you're not gonna really expose the Joker on this end because we're gonna commit one and a half bodies to you, one on you and a half a body on each side. And if you got like let's say a player like me, like on the wing, like I may or may not kill you. You could get away with that. I just think Bradley Beal kills you. Like do you know what I mean, so like I, I also agree with perfect
2: you. perfect situation for Bradley Beal too, right? Perfect yeah. situation yeah. doesn't have to be the guy. Yeah, they have
1: some. There's an Achilles heel, like right, like they're of course, but I think ultimately matching up with them is gonna be a real problem. So if they can figure some things out defensively, I I think they could get it done.
2: We gave the streets an hour and thirteen minutes. Okay, guys, that has been our season mm. preview um, edition of motherfucking mondays with howard motherfucking back it's been great to have you raj it's been great to have you howard We're, we can't wait to have you throughout the season and beyond until until whenever i i love this this pairing um so thanks for coming on again on our, our motherfucking mondays howard yes sir <laughs> see you next week see you next week bye Must be 21 years and older and president of select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with the Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler or visit fanduel.com backslash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Kentucky, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, Virginia. Call 1 800 Next Step or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona, 1 888 789 7777. Or visit ccpg.org in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700. Or visit KS Gambling Help in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here.